I think is a smart way to use Amazon is to use it as an acquisition channel. Expose some of your product to your customers so that they get a taste. But if you want to have access to all of our SKUs, all of the limited sunglasses we drop that are super fun, <clears throat> you got to come to our site. Hey everyone, this is Nazar Akio from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to, to the Ecom Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker. The number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Maff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Maff. And today, I'm joined by Greg Bixler of Gooder Sunglasses. Greg, how are you doing? You ready for a good show? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, Thanks for having me. I am a big fan of your brand, so I'm super excited to have you on this call. Plus, I also know uh, with your role as head of supply chain, it's going to be very interesting to hear how you manage all of that fun stuff as of right now. Plus, you do not have a small product line. So, but let's get into it. Uh, let's pretend that no one knows who you are, no one knows who Gooder is, and let's. Uh, and why don't you just give us a little bit about your background? We'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So. Um... A bit about me. I uh, started my career as a management consultant. Um, I bounced around. Uh, I was at Booz Allen for a while, and then I worked for AT Kearney for a number of years. Um, my focus as a consultant was primarily on uh, operational efficiency uh, as a broad lens, um, but I really started anchoring and then focusing on supply chain uh, operations as, <clears throat> as a whole uh, towards the end of my time there. And I realized if uh, I, I was doing all these cool projects, I didn't have a ton of ownership uh, of what I um, what I was working on. So uh, I wanted my wife had been in startups for years. Uh, so I saw that she was getting all the diversity and fun stuff that I was uh, working uh, that I was doing, uh, but she had all the ownership as well. So I actually jumped in. I started. Uh, I switched out of consulting, uh, went and started leading a supply chain for a company called Ruggable. Uh, and then, uh, during the pandemic, I switched to another company called attitude that makes, uh, <clears throat> sheets, uh, home sheets. They and, were on our uh, show towels. a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. Who'd you have? Um, <laughs> uh, no, don't Maybe? ask me that question. Um, she was the head of performance marketing. She was very Chelsea. awesome. It was impressive. Yeah. Chelsea's incredible. I saw her a few weeks ago. Um, oh, really? yeah. Nice. So I was at attitude for, uh, for, uh, about two years. And then uh, about a year ago I switched, uh, to join gooder. So gooder is a, uh, a company that make quite simply makes, uh, active $25 active sunglasses for everyone. Um, that's kind of the, the tagline, but, uh, you know, when you drill into that, what does that mean? Um, we make a product that is uh, incredible. It, it, it has incredible performance and we anchor it into um, the design principles of our company, which are the four Fs. So it has to be fun, has to be functional, uh, it has to be affordable, and it has to be uh, fashionable. So uh, if you're looking for a pair of sunglasses like that, that's basically what we do uh, and we do it really well. Nice. If I were to say you are kind of like the chubbies of sunglasses, would that be 
Would that be a stretch? <laughs> you know, I don't think you've you've been the first person to draw that comparison. I mean, that's uh, the I, I talked about the product and what we do. I think that's probably a bit narrow uh, in that we do have a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I think our, our, our values are fun and authenticity, and that really shows through uh, in the marketing, in our web page, uh, in all the crazy stuff and ways that we get involved in our different communities. Yeah. I mean, from a marketing perspective, too, I mean, it's it's not easy to stand out in the sunglass market. I mean, how many com- how many competitors are out there doing sunglasses? So, I mean, I'm, I didn't mean it as a negative thing. I think it's <laughs> awesome. Your content's great. I love it. Um, but all right. So you're on you're on the supply chain side. Tell me a little bit about that, because I can only imagine how complicated that is, because you're dealing with a very inexpensive product. You're dealing with uh, designs that go in and out of trends that have to get changed all the time. I can only imagine what it was like dealing with it over COVID. Like, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of insight into what that's like? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, managing our supply chain, I think right now where we're at, our our biggest pain points are really around uh, scaling and and, uh, building up a supply chain that can support the growth that we're having. Um, you know, we, we make an amazing product. Um, like you said, it's, it's small, it's relatively durable, um, which is ideal for, uh, for moving around the country and things like that. Um, but it is, you know, it is a lower cost point. So, um, that every, every move that we make really eats into our margin, which means we need to be really thoughtful and careful around how we're designing our supply chain. Um, you know, how we're buying, how we're making our moves. And I think that, uh, has translated uh, into us really trying to um, you know level up and, and mature as, as a, a supply chain function really really quickly in the last year. Um, so that's those are kind of the key points um, around the key focuses we have right now. I mean, a huge part of what we're trying to do is to keep up with our customer demand. Um, in uh, as I mentioned, through expanding our network and really just getting closer to them, getting product faster to them, um, and and meeting their needs rather than you know seeing delayed uh, lead times, fulfillment lead times, things like that. Okay, so I know uh, you guys are a are doing ridiculous volume. Um, are you? What's the what's your process with like? How are you managing? pushing out, you know, what I assume is hundreds of millions of dollars a year or something along, like something ridiculous. I know you're a massive company. Like, how are you pushing out all of that product? Are you using 3PLs? Are you in your own warehouse? What platforms are you using? Like, what's what's that approach like? Yeah, for sure. So we, I mean, we have a tech stack to support uh, our order flow and things like that, that is mature. It's probably not too dissimilar from what a lot of other startups have. Um, but on the supply chain side, we, a huge part of why I joined Gooder and, and a big initiative when I uh, started out was we were heading into peak, uh, right? I, when I started in April and um, I got to see firsthand what summer was like uh, in our warehouse. So we, we have our own warehouse It's based in Englewood, California, um, but it's not big. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing what our DC is able to do with the square fo- uh, footers they have uh, without a WMS, without, <clears throat> without a lot of these things that a lot of other uh, warehouses have. Um, yeah. I mean, they do incredible volume, uh, but our lead times were not sufficient for what our customers were demanding, especially if you live on the East Coast. Um, 
So what, one of the big things I did, I came in uh, and started looking for a 3PL that could help us on the East Coast. Uh, and we've been working on expanding that network um, <clears throat> and adding, adding fulfillment partners uh, to meet our customers' needs uh, in the Southeast, Northeast, uh, Texas, all the sunny states where uh, our customers live. <laughs> where they're at. What um, is your thought to ever eventually expand into just having your own warehouse in other areas? Or do you think it's probably going to be more beneficial to stay with 3PLs? You know, I think time will tell. Um, it, it really becomes a question. I, I feel like I've been talking about this a lot recently. It becomes a question of uh, flexibility versus uh, financial versus your financials, right? So uh, I think the huge benefit of having a 3PL partner or an external network is uh, you can very quickly scale up your network if you need to uh, relative to, you know, all the CapEx outlay and standing up your own facility. Um, you can also scale down really quickly if you need to. Um, so, you know, for the health of the business, when you're, you're rapidly growing, it's a great configuration to have. Um, but they are eating into your margin, right? It's a third-party, uh, <clears throat> it's a third-party business. Um, you know, that typically run really efficiently, and and you can get some cost savings out of things like outbound shipping, stuff like that. But at some point, at some scale, uh, it it just financially makes sense to do it your on your own. Um, so I don't I don't have a uh, a crystal ball. I don't know exactly what <laughs> yeah. we'll end up doing. But uh, you know, I think it's part of the beauty of working at a company that is constantly rethinking things and constantly questioning how things operate and what we should be doing uh, is that gives us the agility to constantly be cons- making that consideration and, and plotting our future based on what makes the most sense for us. Yeah. Well, with that actually, so with your company, what it's like to actually, you know, work with, you know, everyone you've been working with at this company, what, what is your culture like? Like, how are they, how are you maintaining that culture? It, obviously from, a marketing perspective, it looks like you guys are having a blast at all times. But <laughs> yeah. I also know sometimes there's things behind the curtain, but then there's also like, no, it actually is that fun. Like how, what is the culture like and how are you all maintaining it? Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is a great question. I think um, it's very funny. Uh, like I most startups have basically the same values, right? Like they call them different things, but when you boil it down, it's the exact same set of things. (laughs) Um, And some of them live up to them. Some of them don't. Right. Uh, But I think what's really unique about Gooder is the core values they thought about uh, for a very long time. And it's simple. It's fun and authenticity. So um, those are the two core values of the company. That's it. Um, and there's, you know, descriptors, pillars that, that uh, underpin those, but fun is, uh, it's not, you know, necessarily partying or, or being wild or any of the things that I think a lot of people might associate it with it, but it's, uh, being fun is, uh, is being a professional crushing what you're doing, having a vision, um, you know, being really true to the brand and just kicking it out of the park. Um, so I, I think, that is a huge, huge uh, fat way that we maintain the culture is always th- looking at things through that lens of fun. Um, and then authentic- authenticity, um, you know, really being true to yourself, really being true to the brand um, and <clears throat> and being comfortable with failing, being comfortable with growing, things like that, uh, I think are, are super important to us. Um, the way that we maintain this is uh, there's 
too many to count, uh, to be honest. I think uh, our leadership team probably spends more time thinking, or our, our executive level team spends more time thinking about people and culture than any group I've ever worked with, particularly our CEO. Um, it's top of mind for him constantly to the degree that he, ha he has his own podcast just about Gooder's culture. Um, and it's, it's super oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. What's the name of that? Uh, it's the Culture Gooder podcast. <laughs> oh, well, that's stupid question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. Uh, and I mean, he does it. Uh, he's releasing episodes right now every two weeks with uh, Sean, who is uh, has been a, a pillar of building the culture at Gooder. Um, he's part of our people team. Um, and, you know, the two of them, to a degree, are kind of, I mean, they're not the sole owners of building the culture, but they put in countless hours and thought and effort into making it the place it is. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful. So with that culture, obviously, the sometimes the thing I find is it's difficult to, let's say, extend that culture into relationships that are sometimes outside of the business. So obviously, with head of supply chain, I would imagine you're working with a lot of partners, a lot of vendors, all these different things you've got to work with. Like, do you find ways to kind of make that culture still part of what it's like to work with you? Or is that where you guys draw the line and you're like, no, we have fun. Your company's your problem. <laughs> uh, no, it's a great question. I mean, um, honest, I, I think it's twofold. So for, and to clarify, like being fun does not mean avoiding hard conversations. I think it, it actually means leaning into the the discomfort and really taking on, um, you know, the candor and, and we owe it to each other to have those hard conversations rather than just pretending everything's okay. Uh, and I think that's, that's a, that's how my function, my, my, uh, my group thinks about interacting with our vendors, right? It's, uh, you know, we pick vendors that, are a good fit for us uh, as a culture, I think. Uh, and I think agility is a huge part of that. I think uh, being able to have candid conversations, showing up like professionals, do it being reliable. Um, those things are super important to us. Um, so picking people that meet those criteria up front is makes it a lot easier to uh, align on those cultural elements. Um, but then holding each other accountable for uh, what you said you were going to do. Uh, and that means sometimes having hard conversations, you know, yelling at one another. Uh, uh, and at the end of the day, like getting it done, we are on a team. Um, but I, I think, you know, that's the key is, is being candid, being honest and being clear with your partners. Yeah. So are you almost vetting like your partners and these vendors just to make sure they're a culture fit as well as obviously that their businesses are aligned with yours? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. If uh, we, I think, um, we look at, not something you hear very often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, it, but the, the reality of it is, is we look at our culture as a competitive advantage for us. Um, you know, we, and if we dilute that or we don't find partners that are going to be able to think about things the same way that we do, um, that's going to, that's going to be a disadvantage or that's going to penalize or restrict our ability to succeed as a company. Um, so, I mean, competing on cost is one thing. Um, you know, that's obviously a factor whenever you're picking partners, but if you pick someone that you can't work with, it's, it's going to fail. Yeah. Where, uh, 
pivoting a little bit here. Um, sure. Where are you available? Obviously, I know you have your own website. Are you on multiple marketplaces? Are you in retail? Like, where is Gooder available for purchase? Yeah, we have a pretty broad uh, channel set at this point. So we have our own website. You're right. Um, <clears throat> then we are available in a lot of specialty shops. Um, so we work with a, a lot of running shops, a lot of cycling shops, uh, locally owned, you know, two to five store kind of places. Um, obviously we're, we're also in some larger versions of that. Um, we actually launched ski goggles this year. So we work with some, uh, some, some, uh, ski shops and, and snowboard shops. Um, but then we also have some big box partners that we work with like REI. Uh, so we're available there. Um, and then we do have a, a global network that we work with as well. Um, so we, we are available in some, uh, some overseas countries. What about um, online marketplaces like Walmart, Target, eBay? Yeah, we so the one marketplace that we work with is Amazon, um, and it's it's in a pretty limited capacity. Uh, candidly, we we only have uh, two SKUs. Well, sometimes we add uh, some uh, a few SKUs here and there, but we typically only carry two SKUs on Amazon uh, on a regular basis. Interesting. So what's what's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, it's, you know, that, that, that decision was made before I joined, um, but I agree with it. So I can, I can speak a little bit more towards, you know, my beliefs and, and uh, (laughs) around this as opposed to, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe broader gutters. But I think it's a smart approach. And I've seen this at uh, several of the companies I've worked for, uh, is being really thoughtful and intentional around how you use the Amazon marketplace um, for some business. And it, it depends on the business, right? You have to do what makes the most sense for your customers, for your uh, fulfillment network, for your uh, product and, and financials. Um, but what I think is a smart way to use Amazon um, <clears throat> is to use it as an acquisition channel. So uh, expose some of your product to your customers so that they get a taste of uh, what, you know, what, what is available. Um, it's a great marketing uh, platform. People are looking for sunglasses online. Uh, you know, we'll be there. But if you want to have access to all of our SKUs, all of the limited uh, sunglasses we drop that are super fun, like uh, our St. Patrick's Day ones that are out, um, <clears throat> you got to come to our site. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that, uh, control over the product, control over the customer experience, things like that. Obviously yeah. Amazon eats into your margin pretty significantly. Um, and if you lean into it too much, you also open yourself up to competing with their set of products on their marketplace as well. So I think, um, you know, my preferred approach is to either, Keep them at a distance, um, you know, use it as an acquisition channel or not do it at all. <laughs> um, but that's you know, my personal preference. Um, yeah. But I, I think that approach I've seen be, I've seen that be a very effective for a number of companies. Makes sense. I would agree with you. I, especially, I think for a brand <laughs> like yours, having it as an acquisition aspect, but still like, get like you said, giving them a taste is probably the best way, especially for someone when you're doing limited drops. Plus the manpower to just launch limited drops on Amazon would be a pain. Um, <laughs> For sure. But so from a, from a marketing perspective, it's very simple. 
to uh, showcase, well, I'll just say it's simple, but it's simple to showcase how your, uh, what your differentiator is from your competition. You also mentioned that you see your company culture as a differentiator, which is also very interesting. From an operational side, it's always like the guys behind the scenes, right? So like the supply and chain guy never gets enough credit. How do you <laughs> think that the operational side, you know, supply chain inventory, all that fun stuff, like how are they, what's the differentiator there from that kind of perspective as opposed to what you obviously believe your competition is doing? Uh, so to clarify, you're, you're saying, um, you know, how do I see supply chain as a differentiator for gutter? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for us, I think it's, it's funny you mentioned like supply chain as kind of the supporting character. Uh, and I, I feel like, <laughs> I think it was your, I think it was on your podcast. Someone was talking about being an offensive lineman, um, for if it wasn't you, it was another podcast, but uh, someone brought up this idea of like the supply chain team is like the offensive lineman on, on the, uh, on the football field. And I, I used to play offensive line and I actually think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you're not, you're, it used to be, at least it used to be right. Like that was, I think the old school mentality of, you know, no one hears your name until you mess up and uh, you get, you, you make a mistake. Uh, I think that has changed uh, in the last few years with everything that's gone on and the disruption of global supply chains. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, is just in time dead is, you know, is the whole mentality around inventory management shifting. And I, I think it is uh, partially because I think supply chain is starting to be seen as a strategic advantage. Uh, it's something you can compete on. Uh, like I said, we're competing in our culture. We want to compete on our operations and our supply chain. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet. We're still, we have a lot of work to do around that. Um, but if you can deliver an incredible customer experience, uh, and yeah, it might cost you a little bit more, but if you're winning customers over on being able to get them sunglasses, uh, as you know, in a couple days, uh, <clears throat> like an Amazon network without using Amazon, um, that is a, that's a competitive advantage and that will draw people in. And I think more importantly, that'll, that'll bring them back. Um, that may not get your first buy, but it will get your second, your third buy, uh, with those customers. If they know like, Hey, this company has their, uh, uh, well, somebody has their shit together and, uh, and can get me these, you know, this pair of sunglasses I need for my 5k on Saturday. Um, if you know, you have that reliability built in, um, then that is a strategic advantage. That is something that customers are looking for. And, uh, you know, it gets you out of the, gets you out of the supporting role, gets you out of the shadows and you're, you're really starting to help drive revenue as well, as opposed to just cutting costs. It's a very good point. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're super busy. Uh, I would love to give you the opportunity here to let everyone know where they can find out a little bit more about yourself and then obviously Gooder as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, for me, I'm pretty simple. I'm not a big uh, social media person, but uh, I am on LinkedIn. Um, you know, you're welcome to hit me up if you'd like. Um, Gooder, check out our website. It's goodr.com. Um, you know, you can find us in the retail network I mentioned. But if you want the uh, the freshest availability and the uh, and to make use of our awesome supply chain, come check out our website and uh, you know buy a new pair. Beautiful, Greg. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Obviously, everyone else, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you do all the usual rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, all that same <laughs> stuff. Or head over to YouTube or Ecom Show or wherever else you decide to listen to this. Uh, and as usual, thank you all for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.